Last week, we talked about the impact of a God-first family. And I ask you to look down your bench and to look at your family and to say, God made them. And to ask yourself, what kind of family do I have? Do I have a God-first family? Or do I have things of the world-first family? That's the question I believe that each of us has to ask ourselves, especially the spiritual leaders of our home, which is the Father, and mothers as well, as they work as a team to build a God-first family in their home. Last week, we looked at the thought of the impact that a God-first family has on our children, that it will teach them God's Word, that it will teach them the necessity of worship and the importance of worship. We talked about how it will build their character. It will help to set their priorities in life when we have a God-first family. Then we looked at the local church. How does a God-first family impact the local church? Well, we talked about evangelism, if you remember, uh, the growing of the church through a God-first family who is involved in uh, spreading the gospel to other people, talking to other people as a family uh, to, who are lost and who do not know the truth, can be involved in evangelism as well, and also hospitality, and also maintaining or growing qualified godly leaders to lead in the Lord's church. That's where qualified godly leaders come from, is God-first families. That's where they come, and we are in desperately need of those things in the Lord's church. So today I want us to take for the next two points in the time that we have together. I want us to look at what a God-first family, the impact that it has upon the world. You know from all the news and all the media that you look and, and see and hear every day, we live in a sin-filled world. We live in a world, for the most part, that does not acknowledge a God. Well, if they do, it's in the wrong way or contrary to the scripture of what God has the way he says to be acknowledged. So we have our God-first families. And today in our scripture reading, in the book of Genesis in chapter 6, that was read just a moment ago, we see a family, don't we? We're very familiar with this family it's Noah and his family. Noah, you know the story well. If you go back up in chapter 6, it says God saw the wickedness of all of man and on the whole earth. It was great. And every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil or was only evil continually. And notice there in verse 6, And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. He was sorry and regretted what he had created and what it had turned out to be. Of course, we know that sin entered the world through one man back in the book of Genesis when we read about Adam and Eve and Satan overtaking them and, and how sin entered the, the, the mankind and the world through them and through Satan and in that situation. And then man died spiritually and God had to be and figure out how to save him. So we come to the history and the time here in the uh, Old Testament, in the book of Genesis in chapter 6, 
and where we can bump on down to verse 8, it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You see, he knew and he found favor, that unmerited favor that we talked about in our Bible class this morning, that the Lord knew who he would be. When you take and you go on down in that scripture and you get to the very end, you're very familiar with it in verse 22. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. We could say this morning that Noah didn't have a perfect family by no means. Neither do we have a perfect family. But Noah knew that he could have a God-first family. And today we know that we can have a God-first family. Families that are not going to be perfect. But see, Noah impacted the world. He went about his preaching as he built the ark. He was told specifically in, in 14 and through the end of the chapter of what to do and how to do it and how much to do it. And notice there in verse 22 again, Noah did all that God commanded him. You see, that's what it takes to have a God-first family. Noah and his family impacted the world in which they lived. Hebrews 11 and verse 7, you're very familiar with that passage where it talks about Noah there, that he, he did all that, that God commanded him to do. He, did, he, was, he was interested in what God wanted him to do. He wanted to do it exactly the way God told him to do it. And see, that's what we've got to have in our God-first families. When you read verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with what? Fear, or godly fear, we could say, he prepared an ark for the saving of what? His house. If we, want God, if we will get God-first families, we can be just like Noah and what? Save our house. But we have to have God-first families first. Notice what it goes on to say there. In the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. You know, that part which he condemned the world. You know, we need God-first families and we need fathers and mothers and children that condemn the world. You know what we, we need to say there? We need to say, we don't want to be like the world. We need to be saying to each other, our spouses and our children and our grandchildren, the world is wicked and the ways of the world are wicked. And, and we need to show them scripture to say, be not conformed to this world. Don't be like this world. Be different. We need, we could say this morning, we need to stand out. Let me ask you that question this morning. Does your family stand out? Now think about that seriously. Now I'm not saying does it stand out because we're good in, in, in some type of sport or that we have a lot of money or we have a lot of whatever the case may be. But does your family stand out in this world? 
Do people of this world, and we say people, do, do the people that are, are you're surrounded with in your daily activities look at your family and your home and say, wow. You see, that's what we need. When we have God-first families, the world can't help but what? Notice. Just like it did with Noah. You know, as Noah built this ark, People are working by said, boy, they're different. They're teaching a message that's way different and they're acting in a way that's way different than what we do. And boy, they're different. They stand out. We need to think about ways in our families that we can stand out, not to put ourselves on pedestals, not to say, oh, look at me. We give God the glory. But we need to develop God-first families that when people look at them, when, our, when, when the, the teachers at school look at them, they say, oh, they're different. Oh, that, that kid is different. Or that boy at work, they say, well, that man is different. He's not like the rest of our employees. Or she's not like the rest of our employees. You know, we need to think about those things. Are we different? What are you doing in your family to stand out? Think about that, seriously. Now, some will develop the attitude and say, well, I, we don't want to be characterized as being Bible thumpers or we don't want to be characterized as being goody two-shoes. Uh, we don't want to be characterized as being uh, too good for people. You see, it's all about the heart and the attitude that goes along with that. If you've got the right heart and the right attitude, those things will take care of themselves. But no one has family impacted the world, and we can impact the world with our families. When people look at your house, what do they see? Do they see a family that loves God? When your co-workers look at you, do they see a person that loves God and is serving people and serving God? When have we stood up for Christ and for God in our workplace? You know, there's a lot of things in our world that really get our attention. Sometimes we hear people say people are married to their jobs. Sometimes we hear they're married to their hobbies or they're married to this or to that. When's the last time that you turned down those things in the world just to say, no, I'm serving God. I'm serving God. You know, I've been asked through the years concerning different things, you know, what do you think God? Well, number one, I'm not God. But secondly, I don't know how God's going to look at some things. The way people view things. The way people view their sports. The way people view their hobbies. The way people view their work. You know, I was told by a wise man years ago, I used to work maintenance in a company, 
And if you've ever worked maintenance, you understand that you have to work when, nobody, when everybody else is off because that's when the plants shut down and that's when you get work done. That's when you have what they call cutouts and put back in and those types of things. And they would always go around and ask about overtime. They say, you want to work? You want to do overtime? You want to do overtime? You want to do overtime? And I had a wise man tell me one time, said it's one thing to work for your family and provide when they need things, but it's another thing when you just work and you're greedy. I'll never forget that. Because so many people in today's world were about what our old-time preachers used to say, the almighty dollar. I can remember them preaching that in the pulpits. The almighty dollar. So when people look at your family, and even my family, I'm putting myself in this boat, what do they see? You see, the faithful Christian families, years ago, back in the day of Pentecost and beyond, were persecuted and forced out of Jerusalem. And of course, they would have stood out in their society. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, over 2,000 years ago, the families had an impact because what? It says they were scattered abroad, preaching and teaching. Even in the middle of persecution, they were carrying the word of God. You see, we can all have a powerful impact on the world. You and I need to be reminded of in the scripture where it says in Matthew, the, the fifth chapter, in about verse 16. You're very familiar uh, with this passage. And it says to us, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You're very familiar with that. We can have an impact on the world. The world notices when we are kind and loving. The world notices when we're evangelistic. They're, they're, they notice when we are committed and bold about our faith. You see, I think we need to have the attitude that we read about in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. You know you know the uh, situation well. When Paul there was in Rome, and he makes this great statement that's been quoted for hundreds of years. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You see, Paul had a debt. He was a debtor. He recognized that. He was a debtor to God. He was a debtor to Christ. And he says, I, I owe that. And in the, and in the process that we have today, we have a debt to God. We, have, we talked about that this morning, a price that we'll never pay for the grace of God and the salvation, the plan of salvation. But Paul goes on to say, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He says, I have a debt. And he said, not only do I have a debt, but I have an obligation to impact the world through my preaching and my teaching. Secondly, our families impact the world 
We impact our God. We say, well, what impact do I have on God? God's all-powerful. God's all-knowing. There's nothing that God doesn't know or cannot do. And how do I have an impact? The, the minute person that I am, how do I have an impact on God? As I mentioned last week in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, God created the family relationship. And God created that family relationship. And I, I feel the need that we always have to say in the world in which we live today that it's man and woman. It is not man and man. It is not woman and woman. You know, a lot of people, we have this thing now that they say we have an identity crisis. I mean, I've shared it with you. We have people who are identifying as animals. Y'all realize that? I told y'all that. Yeah, that's sad. That's sad. I got a picture on my phone from where Adrian and Drew was up in Cooper one night. There's a guy standing there in a bathrobe with long hair with a big bushy tail hanging out of his bathrobe. You know why? Because he's got an identity problem. Well, I'm going to tell you what. God identified you when he made you. Young people, you need to understand that. We're living in a world that is that's messed up. Messed up in their way of thinking. But again, I want you to look at your family and say to yourself, God made them. God made them. You fathers, I want you to look at your families and say, I'm responsible for my children. Mothers, I want you to say, I'm responsible for being the, the godly wife and the godly example and the supporter of my husband. And I'm in subjection to my husband and I want you to teach your daughters that way. We're not getting into the thing of that a woman, well, the Bible does call her the weaker vessel. That's the way God made you. Be proud of the way God made you. I'm not saying that we develop the caveman theory or whatever the caveman way, dragging you by your hair and beating you and everything else. You know, we've seen those pictures, haven't we? Um, but run the home the way God said to run the home. Wives, let your, let your husbands be the head of the home. Husbands, include your wives in those things and, and treat her with love like you would love your own body, as the scripture says. Husbands, give your wives something, give them a reason to want to be in subjection and to honor you. Give them a reason. And see, that both goes both ways. One more family in Genesis chapter 18 and, and verse 19. You know, again, the, the story of this man, the, the Abraham, and, and what he was called to do. And we know and we read about his faith, don't we? In the book of Genesis in chapter 18 and verse 19, Notice what it says. Go up there. It says, uh, well, 17, the Lord says, shall I hide from Abraham this thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. 
Notice in verse 19 what he says. God's going to grow a great blessing through Abraham, and he did, and he still is, isn't he? We're all descendants, aren't we? But notice what he says. Why? Why did God say that about Abraham? Why did God say that I'm going to make a great blessing through you? And let me ask you this as before we read that. Is God receiving blessings through your family? Now notice in verse 19, why did God choose him? Why did God say this thing? For I know him. He knew him. Notice what else he says. That he will what? Command his children. Command his children what? In the ways of the world. Be popular. You know, you have the latest whatever and you do this and you do that. No. In the ways of the Lord. Parents, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but raise them up, what? In the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He says, for I know him. I know him. That's why I can use him. He says, because he'll command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do uh, justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Now, this is prior to him sending him into Sodom. But he says, I can use you because I know you. You see, that's the question we have to ask ourselves today. Can God use us because he knows us? Do you have that God first family? God was pleased with Abraham's determination to put him first in his life and his family he was pleased with that. Do you remember when he called him to leave his family and his, his homeland? And he forsake everything and, and went and done what God told him to do. Was Abraham's family perfect? No. But he had a God first family. You see, this was part of why Abraham received this great promise. Is because God knew him. You see, God, let me hear this this morning. God takes notice God takes notice of the families that put him first. God takes notice. God knows. God knows, young people, when you, when you sacrifice a sporting event, as some of our young people here have done. God notices that. Moms and dads, your God, God notices when you, 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 your fathers, you look at your children, especially your young ladies, when they go out of the house and how they're dressed. He notices those things. He notices whether you're paying attention to that. He notices when you say to your family, we're going to church. He notices when there's no question in the family whether we're going to church today or not. He notices those things. He notices when we put God first. He notices those things. And I'm going to tell you, just as he blessed Abraham, guess what? He'll bless you. He will bless you. As I said last week, we don't know where our children are going to end up. 
I told you we had one shot as a parent. And that still stands true. There comes a time when they have to make their own choice. As our families and we put and we grow our children, let us always put God first so that they know that God is first. Let us impact the world. We can honor God by putting him first in our families. You know, how do we think God's impacted? We can impact God with these things. How do you think God feels when over half of our marriages today in the world end in divorce? He's impacted and he's grieved. How do you think he's impacted when the same-sex marriage of two men and women you know, are living together and as, as a couple. And raising children. No wonder our children are messed up. They don't know whether their daddy's a woman or a man. I mean, that's just, that messes with your psychology. That messes with, you, with the natural way of life. How do you think God's impacted when a family is destroyed by alcohol or adultery or abuse verbally and physically? How do you think God's impacted and your family's impacted when we're married to other things in our life other than God? You see, we have to be careful with that. This morning I ask you, do you have a God-first family? I know you love God. We've got good families here. We've got good mothers and fathers, and we've got good children. We are so blessed, and your parents are doing a great job. Keep up what you're doing. Don't let the world, don't let the world influence you. I preach a sermon sometimes in a gospel meeting. It says, don't let Satan take your crown. Don't let him take it through your hobbies, through your work, through uh, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Yeah, we know all those things still exist, don't we? God first families. I hope we continue to have God first families here for a long time. It's evident we got young people here. we got little kids here. we got some on the way. And may God bless you in raising those children. In the nurture and the admonition of God. In the ways of our Lord. This morning, maybe you need to be a better father, better mother, a better child. A better brother or sister. A better person at school. A better person at work. A better person in the church. Maybe you need to reevaluate your family and say, we're going to start being God first.
Maybe you need to do that this morning. You know, it starts at the top. And you know what the top is in the family? You fathers. God says you're the spiritual leader of the home. God's going to lay things at your feet and my feet one day of why we did or why we didn't. This morning, maybe you need to make a change. We encourage you to do that as we stand and as we sing together.